You just heard Side A and Side B for this week. Side A was our tribute track to David Warnerovich, and I'm calling it Death, Anger, and Illusions of Law, as those are the topics he addresses, and I believe in that order. And so I hope to add one small gesture to help David be more recognized outside of the art world. I will acknowledge that David's work is best recognized within the art world. I think they've kept his memory alive pretty well. There was a Whitney Museum celebration of his a couple years ago, and I think they did a pretty good job of it. In particular, they had a performance that I would have loved to have seen of It's So FOMO, which is really why I love David's work for that piece. Sometimes a single recording can make you love an entire output of an artist. I tend to filter most of his work through that recording, though it's not necessary. A lot of his work is just brilliant on its own. But I found Warnerovich's work first through that sound piece, which he did with saxophonist Ben Neal. The piece's title, It's So FOMO, I-T-S-O-F-O-M-O, is an acronym, and it stands for In the Shadows of Forward Motion. And it's a, a bit of a story when you hear it. That's all I'll tell you. Nowadays, you might think the last half of It's So FOMO, F-O-M-O, stands for Fear of Missing Out. And in a way, we are in a period of missing out, because finding music now is like living in a global shared pantry. You don't really discover anything. You're served it. I don't mean that in a cranky way. But the pantry is always on, and the music in the pantry never gets dusty or scratched or shows up with a folded sleeve or is on a mixtape that starts to crumble when you're listening to it. And you might think that I'm describing negatives, but I'm not. Pristine does not really work with work that connects with you mentally. I mean, I kind of think one great example of that is uh, the first time I ever heard Suffragette City by David Bowie. I was driving, and I'd never heard it before. I just got my driver's license and was driving home from Denver at about, I don't know, three or four in the morning. Used to just go down to Denver coffee shops and drink a lot of coffee and get caffeinated. And I'm driving away from whatever radio station was playing this David Bowie song. And I didn't know it was a David Bowie song. I just heard this Suffragette City, but it was like fuzzing and fading and glowing in and out. And that is a propulsive, exciting song. And to keep on losing it as the radio was drifting in and out, I almost turned around to go back towards the radio signal or pulled the car over. It was the most exciting music moment of my uh, my life at the time. And if I had just been suggested by Spotify, hey, listen to Suffragette City, I doubt I would have uh, thought anything of it. I thought it probably would have sounded like a nice coked up version of David Bowie. Same wham bam, thank you ma'am. But my memory, because it was so difficult to grab and because it felt like it could add something to my identity as a person or or something it's just that thing that happens when you're a teenager and you're listening to music it's like that i could use that song what the fuck is that song that doesn't happen with the pantry that we have now which is neither a rant nor a uh, praise the pantry's pretty cool but i found it's so fomo 
by David Warnerovich and Ben Neal arrived to me, or arrived to my mind, on a mixtape from around 1993 from a wonderful friend who lived three or four states away who liked very aggressive noise. These are good friends to make. I think the same friend who sent me It's a FOMO. It's so FOMO. See how casual I'm saying it now. It's a FOMO. Uh, the same friend who shared uh, that with me sent me my earliest mixtapes uh, of the fall, or Arab on Radar, or really strange Swans recordings, things like that. It's so FOMO is that kind of record, but it's restrained by talking, and it's damn good. My gosh. And Ben Neal couldn't be better on it. So uh, for a period of what I think was around 20 years following It's a FOMO was out of print. David Warnerovich had passed away, and I think Ben Neal went on to do his other things. And no one really kept it in public conversation. But I know certain radio stations like WFMU played radio-friendly versions of it from time to time. And I was reminded of it on a uh, DJ premium that they put out that was just collections of cassette tapes in the WFMU library. And a clearer version of It's O FOMO appeared there on that CD than the one that I had received from my friend. And that can be very exciting to have known kind of like a fuzzy or a grimier version of something. But the grimy version had some character to it too, so I like both versions. They're... Uh, both very valued recordings, neither of which would show up on Spotify. You'd get that digital perfect one. Sorry if I sound like I'm anti-Spotify. In fact, you know, I, uh, I envy everyone right now on the planet uh, who is uh, just able to listen to anything they want. There are few impossible-to-hear records that are not one click away on the web. Uh, three of them for me, It's So FOMO, and then uh, Brain Freeze by DJ Shadow and Cut Chemist, and Chill Out by uh, the KLF represent different times in my life that I had to fight really hard to get a record or find a record. Brain Freeze was completely what you call an illegal album. Um, DJ Shadow and Cut Chemist just recorded it live one night and sold it at shows. And I, in fact, was at one of those shows and didn't buy one of the CDs because I didn't even realize it. And then I found out what it sounded like and it took many months on ebay to get a real version of the thing because people didn't know what it sounded like so other people would just sell a cd with some nonsense on it and call it brain freeze weird things and then chill out by the klf is probably the best album you ever want to hear after a night of partying it's especially great <laughs> especially great after taking mdma or some other kind of like high uh, concentration emotional blast drug chill out by the klf um had some elvis on it and some other stuff and it was all like radio broadcasts that were blended together and it went out of print pretty quick and though and all three of those records it's a fomo brain freeze and chill out were not easy to get and now they're everywhere i think it's a fomo is even on spotify i feel a nurtured protection of that track but maybe ben neal wanted it on spotify but it's a fomo is on spotify think brain freeze and chill out are on youtube and there are only three examples you have uh, all of this high culture immediately available 
And it used to take so much scheming and eBaying or just pure discovery or luck to get these records. So I guess I'm wondering, what are you all doing listening to Drake? <laughs> Sorry, Drake. But I don't really know if I would have uh, cared as much about finding your records. if uh, They're good records, but um, they are not, uh, but they're products. You know it as well as me. And you got a team and everything, but these records, you know, are just those individuals putting those things out. And now they are findable. And it's just kind of funny that people are still, you know, magnetically drawn to the product over the person regarding the music that they want to grow from. You know, a good example of a person, if you want to jump into it, is Jason Molina of Songs Ohio. It's O-H-I-A. Recently found Jason Molina's work about three years ago. My friend Maddie uh, shared it with me, and it certainly served a high water purpose in my life. I thank him for that. Jason Molina is an amazing guy, and pretty much all of his stuff is on YouTube. I would uh, turn off Drake and listen to Jason Molina and uh, Songs Ohio. That shit would kick your ass. So, as I was saying, uh, the side A for this week is tribute to David Warnerovich, and we're calling it Death, Anger, and Illusions of Law. And the vocal for this piece comes from Bust, which is a film by Richard Morrison, who I believe also passed away, but recently. And Morrison filmed David Warnerovich in 1991 for a black and white film portrait. It's heavy. It's a largely a deathbed confessional from David, and he spares no words in the 15 or 20 minute piece. My understanding is this was uh, during David's time living in an AIDS ward in New York City. I can be corrected if I'm wrong, but it's heavy. He knows he's going the way out. But there is so much resonance with today, today's politics, media, the entire health emergency we're currently enduring. And so it felt appropriate to put out this week, and yet... Hopefully, I hope this to be a lasting tribute to David, however. All the tribute pieces I do um, are meant to uh, expose you to work that maybe you haven't heard and also just sort of say thank you to people who have been cool to my mind through their work, through my life. A lot of spoken work with electronics is about being thankful. I feel my own sort of sense of urgency with this show. I'm very healthy right now, but if I were to get sick, I don't know, you know? So, uh, if I were to disappear, I would like there to be a show that could say, like, hey, this was that guy. So that's kind of what I'm doing with this show. And I'm having a blast. But getting back to David and this track, it's hard not to notice the similarities with Now and Then. Uh, Music has been added by me uh, in what I call tribute this year. And uh, the original dialogue from Bust has been edited the seven minutes. I hope you seek out the full 15 or 20 minute piece. I think it might even be on YouTube, which is amazing. Following David Warnerovich's tribute is Side B, and it's a companion piece. It's called The Summer Song, which is also alternatively called the Cicada theme, and it's by the Cicadas, a band which is me and Donovan Pierce. We uh, have an entire album built around seasons, and I really like the summer song. Donovan is one of the best guitarists in the city, but I don't need to tell you that. (laughs) I mean, he just has a great style. 
In that way, the uh, speaking on track B is the cicadas themselves. They have a lot to say, the cicadas, and so does our brilliant guest for this week, Mr. Warnerovich, who will never die, at least in our minds. I recommend you check out It's a FOMO now that it's available on a simple click. Imagine that, one of the best pieces of sound art ever recorded. And by that I mean one of the most emotional and incredible knock you on your table, or knock you out of your seat pieces. It used to be very hard to find, and now it's available like a bag of microwave food, just on a click. So, uh, in closing, check out It's a FOMO. Tell other people about this show, if you like it. By Richard Morrison, who unfortunately passed away recently as well. Morrison filmed David Warnerovich in 1991 for a bleak and very beautiful black-and-white film portrait. It is largely a deathbed confessional from David, who spares no words, really, in this 15-to-20-minute piece. My understanding is this was during David's time in an AIDS ward in New York. You can hear ventilators if you listen close in the background. There is so much resonance with today, today's politics, media, and the entire health emergency we are currently enduring. I hope this to be a lasting tribute to David, however, but it's hard not to notice the similarities with now and then. Or I guess some things never change. Text was edited to seven minutes. Uh, A lot of the percussion in that is from a Metasonic slow pass gate, the RK5 where you can send uh, sound into the low-pass gate, and it uses a thing called a Vactral, which is a dissipating piece of electronics, and so the fizzle that you're hearing is actually the Vactral opening and closing, kind of like a cicada. And I also sent some noise uh, to both it and a Pittsburgh percussion sequencer, which is a Eurorack piece, and it's a wonderful trigger sequencer that you can send audio directly into and make uh, a drum machine out of anything. Wonderful piece of gear. Right after the Warnerovich piece was an instrumental, and it has a few titles, as it's kind of a work in progress, but presently it's called the Summer Song, or it's called the Cicada Theme, or it's called the Cicada Song. But it's me and a very good friend of mine, a guitarist named Donovan Pierce. If you are familiar with Sacred Bones Records, he's been with them for, I think, the length of their existence, and they have an annual staff list that they post, and you might be familiar with Donovan's contributions there. I think they recently posted a picture of him on their Instagram, with Donovan happily holding up an inflated balloon with the very clearly printed words, Sorry, I am such an asshole, clearly printed on it. Donovan is not such an asshole, which is what makes the photo so endearing and his smile on it so lovable. I've uh, known Donovan since high school, and he is one of my favorite friends. Uh, Donovan and I have an entire album of music for different seasons. That's sort of the idea behind the cicadas. It's good stuff. The cicadas are themselves audible in the summer, so that makes it the summer song. Cicadas on backup in that, and that was side B.